Hi everyone! Before we get started with this episode of Waynesboro at Work, we have an exciting update. I interviewed Kate, one of the owners of Blue Ridge Bucha, and shortly after the interview, Blue Ridge Bucha was sold to a new owner named Hank. So we have his interview following Kate's in this episode. So stay tuned to the entire episode to get the full story. everyone and welcome to Waynesboro at Work, a podcast where we interview business owners and entrepreneurs to learn more about their origin stories, the passion for their work, ways they benefit the community, and a lot more. I'm your host, Brooke Anderson, and I'm really excited to be joined today by Kate Zuckerman, the co-founder of Blue Ridge Bucha. Welcome to the show, Kate. Thanks for having me, Brooke. I'm excited to talk with you today. Great. So before I jump in and learn more about your story, some people might not realize that the word bucha in your name is actually short for kombucha, which is a beverage. So explain to everyone exactly what kombucha is. Yeah, kombucha is a fermented tea. Um, It is served cold um, and it is also non-alcoholic, unlike most fermented products. And I feel like more and more over the years, we kombucha is a word I've been hearing more and more about. So what makes kombucha so popular these days? You know, I think it's popular for a variety of reasons. Um, I think one of the primary ones for us is that it really tastes good. Um, so it's an alternative that people can choose. Um, for example, um, instead of having alcohol, it's another way of enjoying a craft beverage. Um, instead of having a soda, it's a lower sugar, lower calorie alternative that's also equally refreshing. Great. So you guys have started this business, Blue Ridge Bucha. What was the origin of the business? Well, my husband, Ethan, had been brewing uh, for about nine or 10 years before we started the business, and he'd really been doing it as a hobby. He just loved developing new flavors. Um, When he was in college, a roommate had brought the SCOBY, the symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast, into the house for them to start playing around with fermentation. Um, and so he just developed a real love uh, for kombucha in that, uh, in that experiment. And uh, we decided to launch the business really because, you know, collectively friends just kept saying, you know, you really might want to consider starting a business with this. It's so good. It's so tasty, you know? Uh, so we just looked at each other one day and just literally said, let's try. Um, and, you know, then we started getting to work on how to actually take that dream and shape it into the reality of, of starting up a viable business. Nice, nice. So I did a little research about kombucha and and it's an interesting process all the way around. And I have a kombucha expert here, so I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to kind of explain in layman's terms how you go from the beginning to the end of creating kombucha. Yeah, so kombucha, um, we start with tea and sugar. Um, You make a very, very sweet tea, way sweeter than you'd ever want to drink. Um, sugar is one of the things that fuels um, that SCOBY. Um, so it actually is eating the sugar, assimilating it, and the resulting beverage is very um, low in sugar. Um, so what you do is you take a little bit of starter from the last batch, um, you put it into that tea and sugar mixture, you put your SCOBY on top, um, and you allow it to ferment uh, open to the air um, for a period of time. That's the first stage fermentation. Then you put it into a bright tank. Um, that's where we flavor it, clarify it, Um, and do a slow CO2 infusion to it to get the carbonation just where we want it. That's our second stage of fermentation. After that, it goes into a keg or goes into a bottle and goes to the customer. 
Nice. And how do you get all the different flavors that you serve? Yeah, we use all um, real flavors, um, which, you know, meaning actual fruits, actual spices, um, actual herbs and teas. Um, and so we like to kind of experiment with a variety of things. We have uh, much more fruit forward flavors like our black raspberry. We have other things like our wild pear, which is a lot more savory and spice um, kind of going on there. Um, our winter flavor that's going to be coming out in a couple weeks is the kombu chai. Um, and so that's actually a, a mixture of chai spice um, with kombucha base. Nice. I'm definitely going to have to try that because chai is one of my favorite, favorite drinks of all time. Um, so in terms of the process, and you mentioned that a keg could be involved. And I happen to know that you guys were kind of on the forefront of putting or making kombucha in a keg. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. Um, so when we started the business, we knew that we didn't want to have a negative impact on the you know, waste stream by producing a consumer product. So we wanted to figure out a way to take the waste out of the packaging. Um, so we you know, had to really be pretty tenacious with the experimentation to figure out how do you get a live carbonated beverage into a keg. You know, it's a little bit of a different beast than beer. Um, not dissimilar, but you know, just had to kind of figure out what the, the parameters were to make it work. Yeah. Um, so, um, so we did, and we started with the keg model um, for the first six years of business. That was the, the only way to get our kombucha was actually to bring in, um, you know, one of your bottles um, and go and fill it up uh, on draft. Nice, nice. So you mentioned kind of the environmental, environmentally friendly nature of what you do. And I know that that's been a core principle in your business model. And um, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so we, um, one of the things that's been most inspiring to us throughout the business uh, of these past 10 years has been the customers reusing their bottles and hearing stories about the impact that that's had for people. So, you know, if you need to bring your bottles to the store, maybe you're also going to remember to bring your um, bags to the store at the same time. So this is kind of reuse ethos that people get turned on to um, when they get uh, turned on to our products. And so, um, you know, our hope is that people will not only, you know, be refilling their kombucha bottles, but also just thinking about ways that they can minimize their impact in other, you know, uh, parts of their life too. Right, right. So when you come and you get one of these refillable bottles, that can be washed hundreds yeah. of times, the caps are meant to be reused. Exactly. Yeah. So we have a couple of different ways it works. This is our screen printed bottle. Um, so, you know, you would actually purchase the bottle, own the bottle, and refill it as many times as you want. Um, we then have uh, this labeled bottle. So in our sixth year, we launched um, this product line. You can find this kombucha actually on the shelf at the store, which you couldn't before. You could only find it on draft. But this bottle is also refillable. So the glass is rated for carbonation. The cap is rated for carbonation. The label can be washed hundreds of times without you know, falling off of the bottle. Um, so you really can put it in your dishwasher, wash it out, bring it back and refill. Nice, nice. And to date, correct me if I'm wrong, but to date you have saved 1.1 million bottles by using this business model. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So, you know, it was actually last September, September of 2019, we threw a party in our tap room for the millionth bottle saved, which we had been looking at that for a while out in the future. I remember with our team years ago, we hit a quarter million and we all kind of realized like, wait a minute, that means someday we're going to hit a million. I wonder when that's going to happen. And we had different guesses going on about when, you know, 
Um, and so it was last September that we hit a million bottles saved from people choosing to refill existing bottles rather than just go and purchase a new one. Right. And that is incredible. I mean, 1.1 million bottles, that's, that's hard to even visualize that many bottles. Um, and yeah. that many, you know, is fantastic. Yeah, it was great. We, we did some fun stuff when we realized that, um, that we were going to hit that number. Well, what does that actually mean? You know, how, and we, I think we found that we can go uh, like from our brewery all the way up to uh, the north end of Shenandoah National Park and back. Like if you would put the bottles line, you know, nose to tip, if you will, all the way up and all the way back. It's like, that's a lot of bottles. That's a lot of space in a landfill. You know what I mean? So it, it feels like a tangible impact. Which is That's really cool. amazing. Good, good job on that for sure. So when people come to Blurred's Bucho, what can they expect to find there? Yeah, so our um, facility in Waynesboro is a uh, twofold uh, purpose for us. One is to um, brew the kombucha that we send out to our retail accounts. So that might be grocery stores, restaurants, breweries, college campuses, um, and then also to come and visit the taproom and taste the kombucha and talk to people who are actually brewing the kombucha, about the kombucha, try the different flavors. We offer tasting flights and things. Um, we also have some flavors available just at the tap room that we don't um, have available anywhere else. Limited releases that we do there, flavors we're experimenting with, where we get customer feedback for flavors that are in development and things like that. So um, right now, you know, our, our tap room uh, hours are um, limited because of uh, COVID, but we do have um, Wednesdays and Saturdays from 12 to 4 p.m. Um, people can come by the tap room and pick up kombucha directly from the source. Nice. And you guys were doing the kombucha in the keg for about six years. And then in 2018, you actually had your brick and mortar space. Um, so in 2018, you're going along, you know, for a couple of years, you're doing this business. And then you mentioned things changed, you know, your taproom hours changed for COVID. But you're going along 2018, 2019, and then 2020 hits and shortly into 2020, everything really changes. So what has the impact of the pandemic been for Blue Ridge Bucha? You know, it's been a little bit of a different year than we expected, to say the least. Um, you know, it's been challenging for our retail partners, many of them. You know, this has been a harder year for smaller grocery stores, for um, restaurants, for breweries. Um, this has just been a trickier year. So sales are not what they were prior to the pandemic. Um, at the same time, you know, we feel like the business is doing well. Um, and we've had a lot of support from, uh, you know, Waynesboro uh, and from other partners. Um, so we feel like we're in a good position, but it's been a tricky year like it has been for a lot of small businesses. Right, right. So when you were first thinking about where you wanted to have your physical location, what ultimately made you decide on Waynesboro? Uh, I would say it was sort of a, um, a, a magic combination. Uh, we found a building that we really liked that had some existing infrastructure that made sense for a brewery. Things like floor drains that were, um, you know, sort of a dream were already existing, you know, in the building. Um, and we really liked the location on the east side of Waynesboro, you know, right on that corridor coming down from the um, Blue Ridge Parkway and um, you know it's just a it's the historic entrance into Waynesboro right. and we like kind of being there to greet people as they come in and we really love the synergy with some of the other businesses along that corridor like Rockfish Gap Outfitters and Basic City Beer have been great partners to us very welcoming. Um, another thing that really 
uh, kind of nudged us in the Waynesboro direction was the warm welcome we had from the city um, when we were in our planning process and you know talking with economic development and tourism about the city and the city's interests we just realized this is a city that's really vibrant and growing and seeking to attract small businesses and entrepreneurs and um, so that was really appealing to us to feel that real warm welcome and and sense of support and that's been there you know for these past two years ever since um, we just feel like we've had a very you know good relationship um, with the, the city of Waynesboro and other small businesses throughout the area Nice, nice. So I know that you mentioned that your husband started experimenting with the kombucha in college, um, but it's one thing to have a product and then to launch a business. So where would yeah. you say that entrepreneurial spirit for both you and your husband really originates? Hmm. Well, I mean, I think we're both just people that believe that if you have a dream, you can make it happen. So it's something that we've often appreciated about each other is that we share that in common, just this deep belief that if you want to do it, you can. Um, so, you know, we both really had a passion for the kombucha. We just love the taste of it. Um, and so having that passion for what it is that you're doing. Also, when we realized how we could um, have such a positive um, environmentally friendly model, that was another um, factor that was really inspiring for us. And that kind of keeps us um, you know, feeling um, connected, you know, to the company and to the mission um, and to see the progress that we make over time and to hear the stories from our customers about how it's changed their habits of, of reuse and things like that. Great. So have you had other entrepreneurial endeavors prior to Blue Ridge Bucha? Yeah, um, before Blue Ridge Bucha, I actually started a nonprofit organization in Charlottesville. It's called Common Ground Healing Arts. And they do acupuncture, yoga, meditation, and massage on a donation basis. They focus on serving communities that don't typically have access to preventative uh, health care or to healing arts services. Wow. So I, I kind of feel like you can see how it sort of comes full circle in the endeavors that you choose to be involved in, from the nonprofit, yeah. Bucha, to the environmental model that you've, um, you know, dedicated to, that you're dedicated to. So that's, that's really nice to see. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, personal and environmental health are really important to us. And so it feels really good to be able to, um, you know, have the work that you do every day be contributing to that. Right, right. So you've taken an idea, you've made it a business, you have almost completed a year of being a business owner in a, in a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> what advice, that's a lot. <laughs> what advice would you give other people that may be just considering whether or not they want to um, start their own business? Yeah. I mean, part of me is just like, go for it, you know, because um, why not? You know, um, I think really though, having a passion for what it is that you want to do, um, something that you really feel like you want to wake up every day and do this, not just, you know, for a month or a year, but ideally for many years, that it's something that you really want as, uh, uh, as part of your lifestyle. Um, and, uh, you know, there's just so many benefits uh, in terms of the flexibility of being a small business owner. Like right now in a pandemic, um, we're able to be managing our kids' uh, schooling. They're both in elementary school. Um, and, you know, we have the flexibility, my husband and I, to kind of work together to get our work done and also to give the kids the, the attention that they need right now. Um, at the same time, you know, the work is never done because if there's an emergency at midnight, you know, 
it's our emergency, you know? So there's that balance, you know, it's not all romantic, but I feel like it's totally worth it. Right. And, you know, in our very first episode of Waynesboro at Work, we also had a husband and wife team on. And so one of the questions that I asked them was about any advice that they would give to other husband and wife teams. So do you have any advice for husband and wife teams in terms of working successfully together on a joint pursuit? Yeah, I would say a sense of humor is the first thing that comes to mind, you know, because um, there are going to be those challenges that come up. So just trying to keep it light and remember that you're on the same team, you know, um, it would be, uh, yeah, first thing that comes to mind for me. <laughs> Great. A sense of humor. I'm, humor can get you through a lot of things. That's for sure. <laughs> yes. So I really, I like that answer for sure. Um, and so what does the future hold for Blue Ridge Bucha? What are your future plans? Yeah, I mean, we uh, are really excited right now about developing different flavors. Um, so we've been working a lot on that in our, um, you know, downtime, you know, COVID downtime. Um, and we really enjoy being a strong regional brand. So, you know, Ethan and I have never had aspirations to take the company to a national scale. Um, we like being the kombucha of choice, you know, sort of the mid-Atlantic and Blue Ridge region. So we want to continue to be strong in that area and just develop you know, exciting new flavors that keep people coming back for more. Great. Sounds great. So how can people learn more about Blue Ridge Booja? Yeah, I would suggest going to our website. Um, there's some interesting, you know, background on the company there. Also, we have a blog that gives some behind the scenes perspective. And then we're very active on Facebook and on Instagram as well. Great. And I know that you mentioned um, all the great environmental work that you do there um, with the bottles and, you know, being good neighbors, but you also carry some other products or are a station for people to access other products. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, yeah, we, um, we're a drop point for a number of different shares in the community. So um, Greenbrook Farm has a milk share um, that people come to our tap room to pick up their weekly um, milk or cream. Um, we also do something similar with 4P Foods, where people can come pick up um, food shares that are coming predominantly from local farms. And during the summer months, we work with Tiny Flowers CSA. They have a flower uh, weekly share out of the Waynesboro Valley, um, and we partner with them as well. Great, great. Well, thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with me today telling me more about Blue Ridge Bucha and all the wonderful work that you're doing there. Um, I think your envi environmental model is incredible. Um, and it's just really nice to know that we have businesses and people that are very committed to the community and also, like you said, trying to be good neighbors um, to other businesses that are around as well. So thank you so much for joining me, Kate. Yeah, thanks again for your interest, Brooke. So as we mentioned at the top of the episode, um, there was an update to Blue Ridge Bucha after we conducted the interview with Kate. And so now I'm really, really excited to be joined by Hank Hyming, who is the new owner of Blue Ridge Bucha. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So we um, did the interview with Kate and then there was an exciting announcement made that um, you had become the new owner. So we wanted to sit down and um, chat with you and get to know you. Um, so tell everyone a little bit about yourself, where you're from, um, so we can learn a little bit more about you. Great, yeah. So um, 
I'm really excited to have bought this company. I'm, I couldn't be more excited. Um, I, I'm a big fan of kombucha and an even bigger fan of Blue Ridge Bucha. Um, so this is, this is sort of my dream, both job, but also um, um, thing to own. So I, I couldn't, I, I'm, I, can't, I can't even describe how happy I am. Um, I'm originally from Los Angeles, California. I, um, my, um, I, my wife, is from Virginia, and she, um, I, after school, I brought her back to California, sort of under protest. And um, after a few years, she um, decided she'd had enough, and so she uh, moved us back to Virginia, um, and we to the Richmond area, where we opened a um, home furnishings business that we had for most of the 2000s. Um, and so I did that for um, in, until that business uh, made it till about 2008, 2009, um, when the financial crisis hit. Um, and then I transitioned into working in venture capital and with um, technology startups. And I um, worked for a number of different companies in Virginia and also all over the country. Um, ended up moving out to Silicon Valley for a few years where I had a company that I was working for running the um, business operations. Um, and we had, I had the good fortune that we were able to sell that company in 2017. Um, and I had a mild success, I guess you could say. Um, not a home run by any means, but maybe you could call it a single. Um, and I, um, then we moved back to, Cal to, to Richmond and I've sort of been looking around ever since to find, um, a business that I could buy and, um, and sort of be an owner operator, really sink my teeth into. And, um, uh, and I found, um, Blue Ridge Butcher earlier this year, um, and it immediately said, this is the one. And so I, grabbed on with my claws and held on all through this COVID crisis and all through the various ups and downs of trying to get the company purchased. Um, and we finally were able to close on it in November. So I'm really excited. Nice. Well, definitely Blue Ridge Bucha is definitely a, a very loved um, business here um, in the Shenandoah Valley. And, um, you know, they're really known for having this environmental business model, um, and kind of being at the gateway of where a lot of the outdoor activity in our area sort of converges. So what about um, what we've all grown to expect from Blue Ridge Butcher will remain? And then what um, are your plans for the future of the business? Yeah, that's, um, that's a great question. So I, to, to be honest, all the things that I think are core to what Blue Ridge Bucha is are I. That's why I bought it, and that's I tend to keep all of that at the same or as the same as I possibly can. Um, for instance, I, it's always been a core part of their mission and in their and their intentional way of doing business, which is their their focus on sustainability. Right. I am also completely bought into that focus on sustainability. It's part of what attracted me to the brand. It's part of what originally attracted me to the kombucha in the first place. Um, back when it was still called Barefoot Bucha, they, they had, had the same mission, the same intentional intentionality. Um, and, uh, and I intend to support it and try to use the resources that I hopefully will be able to put bring to bear on this company to increase it over time. I, I want our sustainable mission to not just stay where it is, but we want to become even more sustainable. And, 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 and um, you know, I, I think of things like trying to become carbon neutral, um, trying to go completely solar uh, as, as, as viable things we could try to do in the next five to 10 years. Um, I also love the fact that it's in Waynesboro, that it's at the kind of, I, I think of Waynesboro as sort of the, 
the gateway to the Blue Ridge Mountains, and also the Blue Ridge Mountains is the gateway to Waynesboro. Um, and we are called Blue Ridge Bucha. I can't think of a better place to be. You've got the Appalachian Trail right there. You've got the uh, Blue Ridge Parkway. You've got the main 64 kind of off ramps right there. So outdoor enthusiasts and, and tourists are going to be coming down on the East Main Street corridor into Waynesboro. And people that are trying to get to the Blue Ridge Mountains are gonna be going out the East Main corridor up to, the, to those places. And so to me, keeping the business in Waynesboro and, um, and keeping this, the same staff and keeping the same um, intentional mission to focus on sustainability I think are all very important to the brand and to what I want to continue to do. Nice, nice. Um, so you have had um, a few entrepreneurial endeavors, um, it sounds like. So one thing I always love to ask um, entrepreneurs is what advice they have for people thinking about going into entrepreneurship themselves, because there's a, there's a vast divide between thinking about doing it and then actually taking the leap to do it. So what advice do you have for folks? Really, it's um, really when I think about entrepreneur, entrepreneurship, um, I kind of think of two sort of important things that you should keep in mind. Um, the first, and this is a lesson that I learned going through my last business um, when it, um, and through the 2008 kind of 2009 financial crisis is that um, being capitalized, adequately capitalized, well capitalized um, is probably the most important thing you can do when you have your own business. Um, and I think a lot of people who want to be entrepreneurs and take the leap, um, do it sort of with like the minimum amount of money they need. Um, and, and I think the minimum amount you always find out is not enough. Um, everything costs twice as much and takes twice as long as you expect. Um, and so I, I, I feel like this time around, I came in with that perspective and um, just made sure that we, we were able to, uh, you know, cause this isn't an easy time for any business, right? Um, and, you know, Blue Ridge Bucha has also suffered through the COVID crisis. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know, a lot, 30 percent of the business is bars and restaurants and they're, and they're just not open right now so it, that, that hurts um, so coming in being aware of what it's like to run a business during um, a bad economic time um, kind of gave me a lot of insight into how to capitalize the business and how to think about um, trying to run the business going forward the other thing i will mention is and maybe i won't go on as long about this but um, being an entrepreneur takes a certain sort of risk tolerance, you sort of have to have a gut for being able to kind of write out all the things that are going to go wrong all the time. Um, and um, I think a lot of people who um, maybe don't like their boss or don't like their job um, think, well, I can just go out and start my own business. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean just because you want to do it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have this intestinal fortitude to kind of write out all of the ups and downs. Um, and, you know, as someone who's done this before, I know I've got it in me. Um, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. I'm a first generation American. Um, I just don't know. I think people really need to look into themselves and think hard, like, do I really want to have to deal with this risk and, and the potential issues and the potential financial losses? I mean, it's devastating to lose a business. Um, it's, it's taken me 10 years to recover from it um, and be back doing it again. So you have to make sure that you're willing to take on that sort of risk. Right. 
that's great practical advice for sure. Um, I think, like you said, there, there's a difference between thinking about it, actually doing it. Um, and there, there's a lot of thought that should go into, into that for folks. So thank you for that. Um, so I know it hasn't been that long since you became the new owner of Blue Ridge Bucha, but what, um, what do you think makes Waynesboro such a great place to actually have a business? Well, I, I touched on it a little bit earlier, but it's, it's the proximity to the Blue Ridge Mountains mm -hmm. and, and the fact that all of the outdoor enthusiasts and tourists that are kind of milling around up there on the, on the trail or on the, um, the, the, the Blue Ridge Parkway or just kind of try, up, up and around, they're gonna see kind of East Main Street as the sort of gateway into Waynesboro, mm -hmm. both the gateway in and also Waynesboro coming out East Main Street, that's the gateway to the mountains. Um, and so I think for businesses that are um, interested in, in, in the tourism, the tourist traffic or in the outdoor enthusiasts that are coming through town, I think Waynesboro is perfectly suited to that kind of business, uh, especially kind of out where we are on East Main Street. It seems like a, a, a fantastic location. Um, I also really have appreciated just the sort of um, business friendly approach of the city of Waynesboro and, and the, the tourist the tourism group, um, they've been very supportive of our business and other local businesses. Um, and um, they've already been meeting with me and we're working on a couple different initiatives. Um, and I, I really feel like Waynesboro seems like a, just sort of a pro-business sort of environment and um, a place where you can see a lot of opportunity for growth, especially when you think about sort of people who are interested in the Blue Ridge Mountains and the tourism and the outdoors. Nice, nice. Yeah. So is there any sort of inside scoop you can give us on what might be new um, at Blue Ridge Bucha? Yeah, so there's a couple things that we're going to be working on. Um, the most the, the most obvious thing is, um, you know, we're here in Virginia and be, for various reasons, um, we've been sort of consciously geographically limited in where we're selling our products. Um, so we're here in Virginia, we're in Maryland, we're in Pennsylvania, um, DC. To me, it seems like an obvious next step to kind of head south and to head west. Um, so we're going to be working on in the next quarter or two, um, expanding into Kentucky, Tennessee, um, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, um, and get our brand out in new chains that are more Southern focused as opposed to the sort of the chains we're in now, which are more Northern focused. Okay. So that's going to be a great avenue for growth that we expect to see in 2021 is growing our marketing and our sales and our distribution networks to go that way instead of North. Um, the other major initiative, and this is probably more interesting than just saying I'm going to be in more stores, <laughs> is um, we're um, actively developing a hard kombucha line, which is, um, so kombucha is, in its current form, is non-alcoholic. It's less than a half percent alcohol, um, allows it to be sold anywhere. Um, we're consciously going to develop a, an alcoholic kombucha, which will have an ABV, we'll probably do a variety, but maybe the lowest will be a four and a half percent sort of a session kombucha, and then maybe have a couple at five and a half and maybe go for one, one kind of seven percenter for the, for the, for the, the nights you really want to have a drink. Um, and um, so we're developing flavors right now and recipes and um, working on the formulation and, and labeling. And we're currently, we're um, in process of getting our um, 
our licenses, our ABC licenses. And so I would expect that, and we also have customers that are already talking to us about carrying us. Um, so yeah, I would expect us to have hard kombucha on the shelves probably by the beginning of the second quarter, um, which is exciting. That is really exciting. Yes, we'll definitely be keeping an eye out um, for that. And I guess I, I can say one more thing. Sure. The way to think of hard kombucha is that it's, um, it's not gonna be as heavy or as high calorie as sort of a craft beer, okay. um, right? It's not gonna be like an IPA with all those calories and that, and that kind of real heaviness to it. Um, but it also will have that sort of kombucha mouthfeel and kind of flavor that you don't necessarily get from a hard seltzer. So it's, it's sort of, it's sort of a, in the middle of like the IPAs and the hard seltzers, but it'll have more sort of a better feeling in your mouth and more flavor than a hard seltzer would have. Um, but it's not going all the way towards beer and it's still low calorie. So right. it, um, it actually, I think will sit in a really interesting spot in the, um, in the market. Yeah, that, that sounds great for sure. Well, Hank, thank you so much um, for taking some time to join me today. And um, just on behalf of myself and, and everybody with Waynesboro at work, we just welcome you to the community. And we're really glad um, to get to know you a little bit better today. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, great. So everybody um, that is listening, make sure that you tune in. We have new episodes of Waynesboro at work every single month. You can also find the video version on YouTube. Of course, you can hear the podcast on any of your favorite podcast apps. And if you want to learn more about Waynesboro, make sure you go check out Visit Waynesboro, Grow Waynesboro, and Waynesboro Economic Development. Until next time, be safe and well.